Welcome to the Sojourn College podcast, where we engage in God's word in a way that transforms us. My name is Michelle, and I'm on staff with Sojourn College. And as you guys know, we just started a new series on doctrine. And Kyle kicked us off last week talking about the doctrine of the word of God. And today we are going to be delving into the doctrine of God. And I know what you're probably thinking, that is a huge topic, right? How is she going to cover everything in 15 minutes? Well, the answer is that I am not. Uh, But I am going to hit on some major aspects of the doctrine of God that I think are going to be helpful for us to dig into. And in particular, I really want us to tackle some of the things that we believe about God that initially um, at first might seem kind of contradictory. And what I mean by that is, yeah, concepts that while initially seem in opposition with one another, um, can actually coexist when we consider who God is. And before diving in, I want to give a lot of credit to Greg Allison and his book, 50 Core Truths of the Christian Faith. Um, That was a huge help in crafting a lot of what I'm going to share with you guys today, so I just want to give him credit for that. Um, And yeah, there are going to be three main things I want to tackle today. And those are going to come in the form of affirmation. So similar to how Kyle shared last week, I'm going to be sharing kind of three main points in the form of declarations of what we believe about God. And so the first is that God is knowable and incomprehensible. The second is that God has communicable and incommunicable attributes. And the third is that God is three persons in one. So hopefully after you hear those, you get a sense of what I mean, um, like what I was saying earlier of how these are things that maybe initially when you hear them on the surface, they kind of seem a little contradictory. They seem confusing of how God can be two different things at the same time. But hopefully as we talk through them a bit more, you'll see how they make sense. And so let's start with that first point. Um, Again, the first thing is that God is knowable and incomprehensible, right? We can know God and know about God. But we can never know everything fully about God. So let's take the first half of that, right? God is knowable. So it kind of begs the question, how do we know God? And there's really two big ways that we can know God more, right? The first is through general revelation, and the second is special revelation. And I'm going to break those down for us. So general revelation is God's revealing of himself to all people at all times in all places, right? We see this in creation, We see this in our conscience. We see this in how people have just this innate sense of a God, that there is a God who exists. Um, These things are general revelation, um, right? Things that God has revealed himself to all people at all time in all places. And now the second way we can know God is through special revelation. And so this is God's revealing of himself to particular people at a particular time in particular places. And some ways that we see special revelation is through scripture, right? That was one uh, very specific way that God revealed himself as we see him through scripture. Um, We see him through the incarnation, um, through, yeah, Jesus's existence. We see, um, yeah, see God, um, as well as just historical events where we've seen God. And so, yeah, again, those two big ways are general and special revelation. Those are the two ways that God has given us the ability to know him. But... While God can be known, we also believe he cannot be comprehended fully, right? I think we can all acknowledge this. Our our knowledge of God is not exhaustive. We cannot fully understand him and his attributes because we are finite creatures. 
with finite intelligence, right? It's impossible for a finite being to completely understand an infinite God. So we can only know God to the degree to which he reveals himself. We can't even fully understand like one aspect of God, right? Let take his power, for example. You know, we know God is powerful. We have seen him be powerful, but it's impossible for us to fully comprehend how deep his power is, how rich his power is, the fullness of his power. And I think the book of Job gives us a really good look into this idea of incomprehensibility, right? We see Job, this man who has lost everything in in a way. Um, And near the end of the book, we start to see this interaction between God and Job. Um, And essentially God is kind of like, Job, who do do you think you are? Like, do you think you're God? Um, You know, did, did you create the heavens and the earth? Um, and, and Job responds in chapter 42, verse 3. He says, Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. I think it's a really beautiful picture. We see Job's just admittance of yeah, his finiteness of he's like, yeah, God, you're right. Like, I can't understand it all. And I I can't know you um, perfectly. Um, And so, yeah, even though God is incomprehensible, that does not mean that we can't know anything about God, right? He has revealed to us what is sufficient. So our human knowledge of God is partial, yet true and sufficient, Okay, so God is knowable and incomprehensible. And, and I think it's a really beautiful thing to reflect on. Um, kind of, yeah, the comparison of those two things, the coexistence of those two things. Um, and I think it's something we can thank God for. We can thank him that he did reveal himself so that we might know him. Even if it is partial, what we do get to know and understand about God is amazing. And it is sufficient for knowing him. So again, that's the, the first big point of what we believe about God is that he is knowable and incomprehensible. The second big point that I want to talk about is that God has communicable and incommunicable attributes. So you're probably asking, like, what does that word communicable mean? Good question. Um, I would say a good synonym for it would probably be shareable. Um, You know, there are attributes that God shares with humans, things that we can see and experience and live out. But then there are attributes of God that he does not share attributes that are just totally unique to him, things that we can never be. And so let's start with those incommunicable attributes, those things, those things that are only true of God. And I'm going to go through some key ones for us to help us understand this idea. Um, The first attribute of God, the first incommunicable attribute is his independence. Okay. He is not dependent on anything or anyone to exist. He's completely self-sufficient. The second is his immutability, right? He doesn't change. He's unchanging in his character, in his promises, and in his essence. And this doesn't mean he isn't moving, right? He responds to prayer. He forgives us when we repent. Um, But who he is does not change. The third attribute is his eternity, right? God is not bound by time. He exists forever. He has no beginning and no end. The fourth is his omnipresence. He is present everywhere. He is not limited by space. The fifth is simplicity. He is not composed of different parts, right? It's not, he's not like, oh, one part holiness, one part love, one part this. But rather, as uh, Greg Allison says in his book, God is his nature and he is his attributes. So his actual nature is just God. 
that's that's his that's who he is the sixth attribute is his spirituality so god has no physical physical aspect he is spiritual in nature he can still present himself tangibly but he is not material and this is different than us as humans right because we are both material and immaterial but god is spiritual okay so after hearing some of those hopefully understand that these attributes are unique to god right i think we if we're like man i really want to try to be omnipresent let me just somehow make myself omnipresent it's not gonna work it's not gonna go too well right try try as hard as we may that is something that is just unique to god that is who he is these are things that he is and we are not and so on the flip side of this god has communicable attributes right again these are attributes that he shares with human beings we mirror our creator in our communicable attributes. We can reflect God in these attributes, unlike the uncommunicable attributes, which we can never reflect. And while we're always going to fall short of the extent to which God embodies these attributes, he has created us with the ability to mirror him in these ways. And yeah, I'm just going to, this is kind of a long list, but I'm just going to share some of the communicable attributes of God, right? Um, God has knowledge, wisdom, truthfulness, faithfulness, love, goodness, grace, mercy, patience, holiness, jealousy, wrath, righteousness, and power, right? All of these things are attributes of God, but they are also things that we can emulate, experience, and witness. These are who God is, and we, you know, will probably only experience a fraction in comparison um, with how, how God demonstrates these attributes, but they can be shared from our creator to his creation to us. And so again, that second point there is God has communicable and incommunicable attributes. So I'm going to kind of recap for us, right? The first point, God is knowable and incomprehensible. And the second, God has communicable and incommunicable attributes. And so that takes us to our third big point here. And this one is that God is a triune God. He is three in one. And so probably, yeah, right off the bat, you can kind of see how that might seem contradictory or confusing, right? God is both three and one. And this is a concept that you guys have probably heard before, right? The Trinity. And this is the idea that there is one true God and he is three persons. And so I want to make a distinction between a couple words here to help us understand this. Those two words are nature and person. So there is one divine nature, one divine being, one God. And there are three divine persons, right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are all one divine nature, but they are three distinct persons. And each of these persons are fully God. They're equal in glory and power. They all have the exact same nature. They are all God. They're not independent of one another. They're not three gods, but one God and three persons. I know I sound like a broken record saying that over and over again, um, but I just want us to understand that concept. And, and one of my favorite passages that I think is a really sweet picture of the Trinity is Jesus' baptism, right? It's one of the places in scripture where we see all three persons of God present in this really beautiful instance. And I'm going to read that for us in Matthew 3, 16 to 17. It says, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Isn't that such a cool picture? I just love that, right? We see the Son, 
being baptized. We see Jesus being baptized. We see the Spirit descending like a dove. And then we see the Father speaking from heaven. Okay, so we see all three persons of the Trinity here. Um, Another example in scripture um, is in the Great Commission. We see Jesus's acknowledgement, right, of all three persons of the Trinity. In Matthew 28, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Right? So even Jesus himself here is acknowledging these three persons, um, this, this triune God. And so if the three persons of the Trinity are all fully God, again, they're that one nature, what is distinct about them? And yeah, I would say that they have different roles and characteristics. Um, to give you guys an example of this, yeah, the Father has the primary role in creation, right? Working alongside the Son and the Spirit to create. The Son has the primary role in salvation, working with the Father and Spirit to save. And the Spirit has the primary role in sanctification, working with the Father and the Son to sanctify us. And this does not mean that they operate separately from one another. Rather, they all operate inseparably in all divine works. And we see the triune God in all aspects of the gospel. I'm going to quote Allison from his book here because I, sh- I just think he explains it really well. He says this, Salvation is from and leads to the Trinity. The Father proposed and directed the Son to become incarnate. The Son willingly obeyed the Father and accomplished salvation. The Spirit applies salvation to people's lives. Believers then worship God who is triune. Okay, so the understanding of a triune God is essential to our experience and understanding of the gospel. So just to summarize the doctrine of the Trinity, kind of in three simple bullets for us, it's God is three persons. Each person is fully God and there is one God. And so when we worship and pray to God, remember he's a triune God, right? Worship the Father, worship the Son, worship the Holy Spirit. Um, I think it's a beautiful thing to remember this truth and I think it can... Yeah, just make our our prayer lives, how we worship, just flourish when we think about um, the three persons of the Trinity, of our triune God. So I'm going to recap for us these three big things that I said here. The first is that God is knowable and incomprehensible. Second, God has incommunicable and communicable attributes. And the third, God is three persons in one. And, you know, there's a ton more that we could talk about when it comes to the doctrine of God. You know, we believe that God is both transcendent, above and beyond us, as well as imminent, near to us. We believe that God is the creator of everything that exists. We believe that God has providence over creation. I'm not going to delve into each of those because we just don't have time. But I think thinking about these three I expanded on and other things um, that we know about God is they help us understand who he is and help us know what we believe about him. And my application for you guys in thinking about the doctrine of God this week is to just consider these frameworks as you spend time reading the Bible this week. When you're reading scripture, think about these questions. What do you see him revealing about himself through special revelation? What can you know about him? What communicable attributes do you see? What incommunicable attributes do you see? Where do you see the unity and distinctiveness of the three persons of God? You know, use these this knowledge of these doctrinal frameworks to help you explore more about our God in your time in the Word. 
And and I hope this has not only been helpful in just understanding more about God, but spurring on your love for him, right? This God we believe in and serve is a God who is knowable, incomprehensible, unique, and complex. And this should spur us on to worship him all the more as we know him more and more. Um, I don't want this to just be, man, I learned some more about God. I want this to be, man, I, I learned more about God. And this, this makes me love him more um, because, yeah, God is such just a unique and knowable um, God that we, we can know and love. So I just want to spur, spur, um, spur our hearts on towards him. Well, that's what I've got. Thank you guys for listening. And be sure to tune in next week as we continue our series on doctrine. Thank you.